Inejiro Koizumi proudly presents Our Amplified Earth, Episode 5, This Little Piggy, Chapter 1. Flex! Aggregator Hurst Chisholm snapped awake at his disheveled desk. His perpetual dreamscape battle with a group of rogue Flex, all oddly bound together by some sort of collar, finally let up enough to allow him to wake. Oh, Masaka. Rubbing the sleep from his eyes, Hurst looked around his ratty office. Where was I last night? He thought to himself. The sticky and malignant thoughts ached as they slowly rolled around in his mind. With his lips cracking from dryness, Hurst pulled open a drawer and drew out a clear bottle with a cobra neatly arranged inside. He locked eyes with the long-dead serpent and poured himself a thimble of snake whiskey. Carruthers. Her sore mind could still place blame. This time, it was the old friend that had introduced him to snake whiskey in the first place all those years ago. After slamming down the metal receptacle, he was able to notice an odd sensation in the palm of his hand. A certain flatness lacking feeling. It was a note. A note in very familiar handwriting. Scrawled across the wrinkled yellow paper were the words... Go outside and look in the trunk. You'll know which auto. I don't even own an automobile, he thought, which subsequently led to the question, where did I park my turbine? The predictable San Francisco weather was actually welcomed by Hearst this morning. The mild temperature made his head feel a tiny bit better. Looking out from the stoop in front of his building, Hearst saw a melange of automobiles and turbines lining the block all around. Getting by on an Aggie's pole meant no fancy hover car or sky sword. He scoffed at the note. <laughs> You'll know. Then he saw it. Parked halfway down the block was a bright red 1925 Rolls-Royce Tiger Hunter. The elongated museum piece sat like a ruby beaming with arousal. This must be it. Walking towards it, Hurst slipped his left hand into his trench pocket and coiled it around his Neptunian glass disruptor. Two Union Jack flags sat virtually brand new on the bumpers. The leather was posh and polished to a brilliant shine. Every part of the vehicle looked as if it had never been used before, as if the car had been pulled straight from the production line in 1925 and never taken out on a hunt. One more feature stood out to him. The smell. An acrid, sour miasma seemed to emanate from the vehicle. Hurst unlatched the hood. Nothing. Then he thought, the back seat. The back half of the vehicle was covered in a button-down impermeable cloth. The back seats made completely useless by this piece of canvas. Hurst slowly walked over, disruptor in hand and one by one began to pop off the buttons. Pop, pop, pop. Taking a deep breath, Hearst tore the rest of the cover off. There, hogtied with duct tape around its snout and a large zipper scar across its belly was, in fact, an adult male hog. Hearst then noticed a shiny set of keys dangling from the golden ring in the pig's snout. Arima, he said as he covered his mouth and nose with one hand, and with the other he reached in and pulled the keys from the snout, the columella softly melting away and releasing its bounty. 
Hurst looked around, didn't see anyone, and climbed into the driver's seat to see if there was anything he might have missed. Leaning over, he opened the glove box and found a bill of sale made out to a Ryuta Matsutani from Umed Singh II, dated May 24th, 1925, almost exactly 200 years ago. While looking down at the piece of paper, an old haunt of the battlefield, a bullet grazed his right ear. Jerking his head around, Hearst could make out a man in a top hat. His hat had a crocodile skin pattern that matched his glowing elevator shoes. In addition, his bright LED-laden lapels were decorated in the manner of the local cancer, the Yakuza. These particular lapels bore an illuminated ukiyo-e print of a peasant seeking relief from a doctor, indicating to Hearst that this man was most likely a highly sought-after mob doctor. Hearst jammed the keys into the ignition and the beast roared to life. Peeling out onto the road, Hearst expertly piloted the machine through the dense traffic of the mission district and made his way towards Market Street. The .450 Bira hand-cranked gun hitched to the back of the vehicle made for some sloppy maneuvering. The Yakuza, however, was relentlessly unfazed on his moped, stolen from a passerby at the onset of the pursuit. Hearst's mind was still mostly in shambles from the night before, but every now and then, something would issue forth, enabling him to stay just barely ahead of his pursuer. Hearst finally made it to Market Street and began barreling down the central artery of the city. Behind him, the slick Yakuza took his time carefully following the trail of distress Hearst was leaving in his wake. Stockton Street was fast approaching, which gave Hearst his next move. Utilizing the massive parking brake, Hearst gripped the wheel with both hands and spun, drifting into a sharp left turn that he thought would take him up into the Knob Hill neighborhood. Instead, he lost control due to the unaccounted-for inertia of the .450 Bira handgun he was towing. The 360-degree turn left him facing the BART station entrance, which Hearst promptly mashed the gas pedal to head towards. Shielding his face, the imposing vehicle plowed into the glass facade and down the escalator. The enormous pig in the back seat of the automobile launched forward and burst open upon hitting the dashboard. In a flash of glass, pink flesh, and granite, the ride was over. Hearst groggily stared in shock. Pouring out of the animal and into the front seat were not entrails. No, it was money. And by the looks of it, a few million gold dollars all wrapped and bundled in neat little rubber bands. Before he could investigate any further, the Yakuza in the crocodile skin top hat loomed over the top of the escalator. People scrambled past him to escape the twisted metal and smoke now emerging from the wreck. Slowly, deliberately, the behatted man came down the escalator. In the twisted rear-view mirror, Hearst could see the man was now holding a glass handgun with coiled copper on the barrel, resembling a miniature handheld blunderbuss. Hearst finally got out from under the massive pile of money emanating from the pig and into the passenger seat just in time to turn and make face-to-face -face contact with the man in the hat. His gun raised, the man struggled with the trigger mechanism and clumsily fired, missing Hearst completely. A glowing blast of purple, slimy energy from the weapon dissipated across the dash. Hearst flicked a bundle of money and hit the man in his face, giving himself time to break free and fall out of the mangled vehicle, only to look up again directly into the man's eyes. The man aimed at Hearst's chest and fired point-blank. Hearst was immediately out of breath. His hearing gave out and a torturous ringing took over. 
tingling and tightness shot down his left arm as his chest compressed. The weight of the world now amassed on Hurst's chest as he did his best to slither away from his adversary, still covered in bits of glass and rubble from his entrance. Gasping for air, Hurst could only watch as the medical man collected a significant portion of the money into a Persian carpet bag, spit on Hurst, and then calmly walk away, leaving the pig. Hurst voicelessly begged for help from the gawking bystanders. His heart continued to struggle against the vice-like grip ensnaring it. He then blacked out with a few dozen people gathered around him uploading their shared experience to the ultranet. When Hearst finally came around, he was in a Vita tank at San Francisco General. Lord Doctor, he's awake! The blessed nurse, Persephone Talbot, called out. Excellent. Drain the tank and have him prepped for an exit interview. We're a little overcrowded, so just throw him on a gurney and wheel him into the hallway until I can make my way to him. Dutifully following the orders, the viridian-haired nurse emptied the massive tank of its fluid and, withdrawing the scuba-like mouthpiece, laid Hearst Chisholm down on a gurney. Then, the wide-bottomed woman finished her task by hooking Hearst up to an old-fashioned drip bag of synthetic adrenaline that completed the Vitatank healing process. Foggily waking to the presence of the beauteous nurse was more soothing than the Vitatank itself. Despite the intensity of the lighting, Hearst discreetly took in her grace and movement through his slightly cracked eyes. She was truly in her element. The female form served as a testament to the epitome of design in the mind of Hearst Chisholm. The enticement of a woman's capacious hips always proved to be a strong weakness, often turning Hearst into a serene and willful cash dispenser for women of lesser virtue. In the end, Hearst didn't mind, though. His joy was rooted in being allowed to look, and not leer, cherishing the female presence. Hello there, I am Dr. Langrial. How are you feeling? Hearst blinked and rubbed his eyes, still adjusting to the bright lights in the hospital hallway. He rolled his eyes a few times and noticed he was on a gurney in a sacred hospital. The portraits lining the hallway he was in were of storied medicine men in their crimson robes. Each one clutched their golden caduceus and glowered at any and all who happened to pass by. These portraits, although stately and regal, never made Hearst feel at ease or appreciative of the care he received. What happened to me? Sir, how do you feel? Are you tired? Weak. Squeeze my hand. Listen, Doc. No, you listen, Mr. Chisholm. You just had a heart attack and have spent a few critical hours in a vital tank. And looking at what's in your system, it's not hard to see why. Hmm. This is interesting. Weren't you here just a few hours ago? A heart attack? I was already here? The wheels in Hearst's mind were rusty but functional. <clears throat> Here? No, 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 no. I, I was in my office last. Just then, a panicked voice came over the hospital page system. Code black! Code black! Co the woman's voice was cut short by gasps and a straining to breathe. What the hez is a code black? Hearst yelled out just before the same medicine man from the accident site turned the corner with the same glass and copper handheld blunderbuss. The doctor turned just in time to receive a beam of purple gelatinous energy from the tip of the device. He fell, clutching his chest, his left arm seizing violently. Hearst grabbed his bag of personal effects and rolled off his gurney to a blind spot behind a row of Vita tanks. After a feverish search through his bag of belongings below his gurney, he at last unsheathed his disruptor.
Hearst began firing blindly at the man in the hat, deforming walls and doorways while emerging from his hiding spot, desperately looking for a way out. Panic now engulfed the hospital floor he was on. He took advantage of the chaos and dove unnoticed through the first emergency exit he could find. It had started raining. Hearst popped his collar and tucked himself into the mass of people scurrying through the falling water. He plucked an umbrella from some random faceless suit and turned the corner onto Market Street. After 17 steps, he took two escalators to the covered Charlie Lowe promenade. He kept his collar up and his hair mussed as he scanned the area, deciding on his next step. The intensely crimson and gold motif for the area seemed to be choking Hearst. Were the columns always this large? He thought as he stealthily meandered along his chosen path. Woven bamboo structures and pebble-heavy zen gardens were interspersed amongst comfortable sitting pits and pathways. Try as he might, Hearst could not catch his breath. Noise from a scuffle erupted behind him. Hearst picked up his pace. Watch it! An unsettling and familiar suck-pump sound. He's got a gun! Oh my god, he's having a heart attack! Hearst quickly paused behind one of the more imposing pillars. He slid out his disruptor and simultaneously noticed how quickly his pulse had kicked up. Just then, the Yakuza stalked by. Hearst raised his disruptor and fired at a nearby bamboo outcropping. The noise alerted the man, but the collapse of foliage onto him prevented any immediate retaliation. Hearst shot out from his perch and reached the descending escalator just as the Yakuza took aim. The man fired. The suck pump sound offended several nearby. A thick purple bolt crawled through the air. Hearst ducked and flung himself down the escalator, eyeing a tremendous woman as his landing spot. The bolt tickled the back of his neck. Hearst was immediately out of breath. <laughs> he had come crashing down with his full dead weight onto the woman. Had he taken the entirety of the blast, he would most certainly be dead. The woman shrieked and cast Hearst from her supine volume. He scrambled to his feet, the effects of the grazing shot having only manifested as if he had had the wind knocked out of him. Taxi! Taxi! Hearst was able to languidly bark. There was a line of autocabs, and the only one that responded was a turbine-converted, champagne-colored 1995 Ford Taurus. Hearst dove into the back of the vehicle, unfazed by the smell of an old vacuum cleaner. Hello, what is your destination? <laughs> North Beach! Hearst blurted out the first locale that came to mind. The cab remained parked. North Beach! Hurry! <laughs> Hearst had begun panting again. The Yakuza arrived at street level. Drive! 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 Hearst bellowed at the machine. Nothing. The Yakuza knocked down the wrong person. Hey, look where you're going, moron! A muscularly swollen man had not taken kindly to the robotic Yakuza knocking down his mother. Hey, I'm talking to you! The bald, mustachioed man extended a paw and the Yakuza swatted it away, not even looking at his accuser. The Yakuza raised his weapon once more as Hearst looked to exit the autocab through the other door onto the street. The muscular fellow crushed the Yakuza's hand around his weapon, forcing a cry of agony from the Yakuza. At last, Hearst noticed his coat was keeping the door ajar by just a few centimeters. He frantically yanked his green vinyl leather vestment free, and the door closed. North Beach it is. The cab pulled off and negotiated its way into the briskly moving heavy traffic. After several blocks, Hearst corrected his earlier destination input. <laughs> <laughs>